And so before I get started, um, I always want to give honor where honor is due, and that is to Pastor Nelson and Kathy. Um, I'm really thankful for the opportunity, um, just super thankful for them. I love their, I love their, their love for people and, and their love for the church, but, but more than anything, their love for God's kingdom and to see it advance. And so very thankful for him. He prods and pushes me in ways I didn't know I could be prodded and pushed. And, and, and the rope is just in case my children, you know, there's seven, nine of them. So in case they get out of hand, I brought rope with me so I can secure them very fastly. So if I just run out of here, then you know what, what's going on. So what we're going to be talking about today, and, and I'm, really here, I'm really here to encourage you. And so I hope this message um, is encouraging to you. Uh, it's very, um, it's practical, and sometimes it's tough. It was tough for me writing a message because I had to ask myself a few questions. So usually what I found out so far is the Lord will, he'll usually um, give me messages that he's dealing with me on. And so it's always sort of a little bit intimidated because I'm like, man, Lord, I ain't figured this thing out yet. And so, um, but that's okay because he's walking with us, right? Amen. And so what we're going to be talking about today is the, the, is the importance of community. And it's the importance of community through unity and through the body of Christ. And so unity comes from a community that, that Paul talks about specifically as a body. And so unity comes through community of the body of Christ. And we're all members, as believers, we're all members of that body. And as members, we have roles and responsibilities. And so we're going to sort of go along several of those lines today. And uh, I want to I define, before we get started, I want to define what community is. And so community is a group of people living in the same place or having a particular characteristic in common. It could be a feeling of, a feeling of fellowship with others as a result of sharing common attitudes, interests, and goals, or common unity. And so we might, we might look different, we might dress different, we might eat different foods, we might go to different places, but we all have Jesus as believers in common. And so I want to look at what Paul says about community in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. And then we're going to skip over to verses 11 through 16. And so basically, Paul is in prison. And this is, this is probably one of the first prison letters that he wrote. And so Paul's in prison, and there's these several churches that um, he is writing to. And so Ephesians, you know, Ephesians, a lot of theologians really believe that Ephesians wasn't even in the, the, the letter when Paul wrote it, the word Ephesians. So he could have been writing it to, to several churches. And so what they basically would do as a courier would take this, this letter and he would take it to the church and the church would read it and they would, they would learn from it and they would pass it on to the next church. And so this is, um, this is, a, this is a letter that we can all learn from. And Paul specifically talks about, you know, it's to all believers is what I'm getting at. So we can learn principles. We can take um, the principles that he's, he's teaching here and we can apply it to our lives today. All right, and... And so there's three things that he's trying to communicate in the book of, of Ephesians. And one, the first thing is the believers exalt a position through grace. So because of grace, because of what Jesus did through grace, right, we have this exalted position. Not nothing we did. We didn't earn it. We didn't, um, there wasn't no good merit that we did to, to, to achieve it. It's literally something that Jesus did. So he's saying, hey, man, because, because of what Christ did, you have this exalted position through grace. And then the second thing he's, he's communicating in Ephesians is the truth concerning the body of Christ. And so he specifically 
um, is, is talking about how when the body works together, and we'll get into that. But he, so, he's, so he's talking about the grace that we receive. He's talking about the truth um, concerning the body, all of us together in union, in, in unity. And then he's talking about a life in accordance with that position. So, hey, you've been given grace. You have this exalted position. You have this community of body of believers that you are supposed to, and you have roles and responsibility in that body. And, um, and, and, and then he's going to go into some specifics of what a life in accordance with that position looks like. So we're going we're gonna to pick up in verses, um, in verse 1, chapter 4, verse 1. It says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. And so we're going to pick up in verse 11. And he says, it's Paul, he says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And so we're all saints. As believers, we are saints. So he gave these, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists and the shepherds and the teachers to equip the saints, us, we, us, for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all, ta- until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint, with which it is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And so the community that Paul's talking about is he's talking about a church. He's talking about the body of believers. He's talking about us. And so he's talking about, about the body of believers that God gifted with different gifts and he gifted us with different gifts for the purpose of building up his body. And so, um, but he, 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 for the purpose of building up the body and equipping the saints for ministry so that the saints can use their gifts to do ministry. And so basically he's given these gifts inside the church so that we can be equipped so that we, us, the congregation, all of us, we can do ministry. And I know when we think about ministry, we think about, we probably think about the worship ministry. We might think about the prayer, prayer team ministry. We might think about children's ministry. You know, um, there are several ministry, mission trip ministries, and th- them are all facets of ministry. But ministry really is just people, right? And so we're, really, we're all called to people. And so we're all called to ministry. And so it's not the pastor or the prophet or the evangelist or the teacher. It's not, it's not just their job. It's all of our job. We're all called to people. So we're really all called to ministry. And so nowhere in the Bible does it say that you have to have a college degree or an ordination from your church to do ministry. As a matter of fact, we are all called into ministry. We are all called as, as citizens of God's kingdom to literally bring heaven to earth. We are ambassadors of Christ. Jesus is our king, and we are royal priests. And we are priests who all have gifts. So everybody in here is a 10 at something. You're a 10 at something that I'm not. If you have the gift of administration, God bless you. We need a lot of you. And so, um, but, but we all just have gifts. And I'm trying to operate mine. I know I'm not doing a very good job, but I'm trying, right? He's going, he'll sharpen me as we go. But um, so we're all a 10 at something. But God has gifted you specifically for the, 
for what he's called you for, what he created you for, the purpose you have in life. And I know sometimes that doesn't mean, most of the time that doesn't mean inside the church far as like here on Sundays or Wednesdays. Does that make sense? Most of the time it's wherever he has you planted. And so what I learned, I I worked at um, a Tyson chicken factory. And so it was was awesome. I loved it. But what I learned there is I probably did more ministry, you know what I mean? I mean people, you know, loving on people, helping people, guiding people, listening to people, most of the time listening. Um, My vice is not real, real good, so I, I listened a lot and shook my head. But, um, but that's where I did most of my ministry was at work, you know. And so if you really think about it, you spend, I, you know, I was working 12-hour shifts. And so the way they sold me the job is they said, hey, Kenny, you know, you work three and a half days on, and, you, and you're off three and a half days. And so the way my mind processed, I said, man, I'm, you only work half a year like that. Yeah? I don't work like that. But that's, that's how they sold me, like Disneyland. I've seen all the, you know, the roller coasters and stuff. Well, um, but then you got to come home and sleep still, right? And so really you, you work half a year, you sleep uh, a quarter of a year, and you breathe a, uh, the other quarter of the year. And there's a lot of stuff to do in between that, especially if you have kids and wives and stuff like that. So what I realized real fast is I spent more time at work than I did anywhere else. And so, um, you know, and I had this desire. I had just gave my life to Jesus, and I had this desire, like, God, I just want, you know, I want, you know, I want more, I want more, I want more, I want more. And I think that's a great thing, never lose that desire. We should always want more of God. There's always more of him. There's never a point where we can have too much or, or, or a point to where we've arrived. There's always more. I know that sounds, sounds um, for me, it was mind-boggling at times, but there's always more of God. You, we can never have all of God. And so, uh, but what I realized is, is it, what God spoke to me one day is he said, Kenny, there's people all around you. I would go out to the smoking pit, which is one of my favorite places to go there, because I would go to the smoking pit and there would be, you know, 30 or 40 people smoking cigarettes out there. And I would literally sit there, and, and you'd hear, I, w- I can't definitely repeat what you'd hear out there, but it, it wasn't Jesus at all. You know, there was a lot of problems. There was a lot of um, people hurting, you know. People didn't know what to do. Um, and then you had a lot of counselors out there, right, the smoke, the, the, the smoke shack counselors, I call them. And they, they just didn't, you know, they, were, they wasn't giving good advice. And so, um, but what he, what, he showed, what, he, what, I made, what he made me realize is, Kenny, there's people all around you. You're waiting for a title or a position or, you know, but that's not. And I think that's what a lot, a lot of times we get caught up in. We wait. We say, hey, well, you got the title of whatever. And so that's your job title, you know. But really, we're all called to ministry. We're all called to people. And so, um, and you might say, hey, but I'm not good at this or I'm not good at that. You know, I'm not good at whatever, teaching or preaching or whatever, cleaning, administration. But you are good at something, Right? There's something that you're really good at that you're way better than me at. There's something that you're probably really good at that most everybody else in this room's not. And so it's cool because God gifts us, gifts us differently and uniquely for the purpose that he created us for. And so Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians how we are the body of Christ and we're each individually members of it. And Paul is stressing the importance of every member and how we all have a role to play. And that when everybody gets in the game and plays their role, then the body's healthy. But that when one member suffers, we all suffer. Like, how, if you ever think about it, have you ever just tried to, you know, just grab one of your legs and just, just think about it. Just wake up and try it in the morning. Your wife's going to look at If they're not here, they're going to look at you real crazy. But it's okay. You and Jesus know what's going on. But let's just say you was to just take one of your legs and just grab the back of it like this. And just try to go about your day like this. You're normal. Get up. Use the toilet. Brush your teeth. You know, get dressed, get in the car, drive to work. It's going to be really weird. But think about that. 
like when one member, when one member, and when he's talking about a member, he's not talking about like the country club member. He's not talking about the member that you get when you go to Sam's Club. He's talking about a member. Like, so, you know, when we lose our leg, we're dismembered. So if you're losing, if you're lacking a member, then what are you? You're handicapped. Yeah. And so when one of the members in our body is not functioning properly, what are we? We're handicapped. And so it's important. Every gift is important. Every gift is important. Every, every gift is important. And so we, we need each other. We're better together. And that's why Paul talks about this body, and, and he's talking about the functions of the body. And, and, and I'm sure most, most everybody here knows where I'm talking about 1 Corinthians, where he's talking about the eye and the nose and the ear, and none's important in the other. You can't, the, the nose can't say to the, to the mouth, I don't need you, right? Because then it would never be able to speak. It could smell a lot of stuff, but it couldn't tell you how, how good your pie smells. So it's all, we, all, we need all, all the pieces. And so switching gears for a minute, I, wanna, I, wanna, I want us to think about this. It's hard to be in a community with somebody that you don't know. It's really hard to, to really be in unity with somebody that you don't know. And so I can know all about somebody, but not really know them at all. Right? I mean, I can know all about you. I can, man, they, Google even has a thing where I can zoom in on your property and find out what, how much tax you pay on it and what it's worth. And, you know, I mean, it's crazy. And so I can know all about um, Nick Saban or, or Gus Malzahn. I can know all about them guys. I can know what, what their favorite restaurant is. I can tell what their wife's name, when their birthday is, or kids, you know, where their kids went to school at. I can know when, you know, their favorite foods, where they, you know, where they go when they're in this city or that city. I mean, I can know all about their facts. I know about how much money they make every year. But until I really spend some time with them, I really, I really don't know, I really don't know them. And so it's the same way with the people that we're in a community with, that if we never spend time with them, then we just know about them. And man, this is so dangerous because the, the, the most important relationship we'll ever have in our life is our relationship with Jesus. And if we're not careful, we can do the same thing with him. We can know all about him. Man, we can, we can read the words, the words in red. We can know what all he says. You know, we can know, we can, we can go and sing the songs we can put on our Sunday's best. We can, we know all the right words to say. When someone asks us, hey, how are you doing? We say, Lord, I'm, I'm blessed. But in reality, we can miss Jesus, right? That's what the Pharisees did. And they knew all about him. They, I mean, could you even think about, I can't barely remember what I wrote down last night. Could you think about remembering the first four books of the Bible? That's, I mean, it's awesome. I really, it's awesome. But think about that. And so they knew, they knew all about Jesus. They knew what he was supposed to look like. They knew how he was supposed to come. They knew all the stuff about him, but literally was standing in front of him and he missed him. So they knew all about Jesus, but they, they, they didn't know him. And so I bet you can tell me, I bet you couldn't tell me, and don't raise your hand because if I don't, want, I don't want Pastor Nelson to get on, he, he might. But you can't tell me the last five sermons you heard. So, like, every time I pass, they say, hey, what's the last five sermons I preached? I'm like, but you can tell me the last five people that impacted your life. Somebody that really was there during a really bad time in your life. Somebody that came and gave you an encouraging word that helped you just get up the next day and press into to life, right? And so, it's really important that we know the people. For us to be unified and be in a community, for us to be a body working in unity where all the members are working like they're supposed to, it's important to know each other. 
very important to know each other. And it's the same way for the people around us where God has planted us. Until we spend time with them, we really don't know them. And that's why small groups are so important. And so to all the small group leaders, thank you very much for leading small groups. It gives people a place to, to belong before they behave. It gives people a place to come and connect with people outside of how are you doing. Man, I'm blessed. And I know we are blessed, but y'all, y'all, you guys understand where I'm going with that. You know, there's so many times we just put on our, our face, and I do it too. So I'm, and that's why I'm telling you, everything that I'm talking is God dealing with me as well. So, so I'm with you. I'm totally with you. And so life change happens in the context of relationships, right? That's how life, happened, life change happened for us, is we entered a relationship with Jesus, and our lives were changed. I hope. Because if, if you entered a relationship with Jesus, and your life didn't change, then I would, que- then I would ask you to examine that relationship very, very heavily. Because the reality is, is Jesus is a change agent. That's what he does. That's who he is. And so he never comes in and just sits and remains. That, that won't happen. You will change. You will see. It will start with the inside, but you will see change in people's lives. And so um, we have a model for what a community looks like in the early church. And it's a beautiful picture of what a community looks like and what it produces. And so if you ever want to know something, especially biblically, the best thing to do is to go to get as close as you can to the earliest format. Y'all remember that game you used to play in school? What was it, school bus? The young, the, all, my, all my daughters, they won't know what we're talking about because they probably play it on a computer or something now. But they all line up. Look, my daughter's like, yeah, that's right. We, they all line up, though, and, so, and you tell somebody something at this end, right, and they pass the word on. They turn and tell. And, okay, there, I stand correct. I, I get this rope out, girl. You don't, don't start. <laughs> The what was it? Gossip. There you go. But you know, you, but what normally happened? It was it was nothing like it said, right? I mean, it was nothing. Was, there was nothing like it said. And so the the best way to really see what we as the body as the as the um, as the body should look like is we should go back to right when it popped off, right? And so we're going to start in Acts chapter two, verses forty two through forty seven. And it says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Think about this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. It means, hey, man, they hung out. They ate together. They prayed together. But, but, you know, a really big thing is they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves. That means, hey, man, I'm I'm sold out. I'm bought in. You know what I mean? You tell me what we're going to do, and we're going to run with it. We're going we're gonna to go. We're going to be all in. We're going to dive completely in. See, the enemy knows when we're just, when we have that one foot in and one foot out deal, you know, that swaying. Bible calls it like that lukewarmness, that straddling the fence. You know, he, he knows when we're, we're halfway in. And so they were, they were devoted. They were sold out. And all came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. So up to this point, we can see that, hey, they hung out, they ate. They, they prayed, they, um, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And, and at this point so far in the scripture, it seems like they're all just believers, right? They're all a ch- the church. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. So it was day, it was day by day. It was every day. They were they was together every day. Day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, 
praising God and having favor with all the people. This is the big part, though, right here. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And so at first we see this beautiful picture of, you know, the apostles, they're hang- I mean, the apostles in the church, they're hanging out, they're eating, they're breaking bread, they're praying, they're, they're always together. Every day they're in the temple. Now you got to think, there was a lot of other people who weren't believers yet. And what did they do? They looked, they're like, man, look, where are they going? Man, what are they doing? You know, and all day they're seeing all of them being together. So much so that you had really no even class because they're selling all their stuff. I mean, hey, you need something, brother? Hey, don't worry about it. Think about it. Think about the, the people who were quiet and they were just watching. Like, man, this thing ain't real, you know? And they seen, they didn't have to hear about it. They seen what was happening. And it says the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. So we know that they weren't just huddling. They were, they were, allowing, the, the, they were allowing their community around them to see what was going on, to see what God was doing in their camp. And that was drawing people into them. And so do you know that we can be on the same team but be on different sides? So we can be on the same team but be on different sides. That's almost an oxymoron, right? I want to do a little demonstration. That's really why the rope really went from my daughter's. I was just playing. But I have a little demonstration. And so I'm going to, and it's very, it's very basic, but I think it will help us see. And so I ask, Michael, will you come up? Well, one of y'all, what, can I get one more volunteer just to come up? It won't take but a second. There we go. There we go. Scott, no, thank you, Scott. Y'all give it up for Scott real quick. Yeah, and so we're just going to do, we're going to do this. I asked one more person to come up. Haley, didn't I ask you to come? Come here. We'll try to make this quick where we don't burn up a bunch of time. Burn it up. It's a long rope, ain't it? All right, I want you to hold it right there, bro. I want you to hold it right there. But, all right, so y'all remember the old game talk? You can just grab it right there if you want to. Right. Yes, ma'am. All right, y'all remember the old game tug of war, right? And so they said, oh, yeah, my, none of my daughters know what we're talking about. They're like, what's tug of war? And so, <laughs> and so, so this is, there was a line right here, and the object was is for that team to pull hard as they can until they got her or this team over this certain, certain area, certain, certain place. And then, yeah, mud, mud. Do we have any water? We'll make, no, I'm just kidding. We'll be in real trouble. But, and so, so basically, they were trying to pull her into the mud, and, she, and this team was trying to pull this team. So you see, we have one person over here, and this is just going to represent one team, and we have two people over here, and this is going to represent another team. But I want you to turn around, Haley. All right, now, I want you, both of you guys to pull, and I want you to pull. All right, ready? One, two, three, go. Yeah, yeah, just, just pull, pull. I mean, you ain't got to pull with everything you have. But what I'm saying, you see the, the go ahead, you keep pulling, keep pulling. Don't, don't pull with everything you have. It's girls now. Come on now. Come on. You gotta, it's girls, bro. Come on now. But, okay, that's it. But what, what I'm saying is, is they're on the same team, right? But she's actually not playing her part. She's actually working against her own team. And so even though she's really on his team, she's on a different side. She's really working on, you know, her side. And so we can be on the same teams. Because a lot of times we are. We're on the same teams, but we're on different sides. I got one more. Now, I'll really tie you up with this thing. The thing is. But I, I have one more little thing with that. But thank you. Thank you, everybody. Hey, y'all give it up for them. Thank you, guys. Help me drive my elementary point home. And I'll teach y'all how to play uh, tug of war when we get home. Because I know y'all don't know nothing about that. And so, but you see, we can be on the same teams. But if we aren't working in unity, then it would actually hurt our team. So they were on the same team, but they weren't working in unity. And so it actually is going to make their team lose. And so I want you to listen to what Jesus says in John 
chapter 17, verses 20 through 23. And so this is Jesus right before he goes into Gethsemane. This is him interceding on our behalf. And it's really cool. And, he, and this is, you know, God, you know, the Holy Spirit placed this in Scripture so that we could see something from it. And it's, so I'm going to pick up in verse 20. It says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's us, right? That's me, you. That's us. That's believers. It says that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us. So that the world may believe that you have sent me. So how will the world know that, that the Father sent Jesus? How will it? Well, it tells us right there. Through us being unified, through us being one. That's how the world sees. Remember, think about Acts. The world around them, the other Jewish believers, they were looking like, man, something's going on over there. They're hanging out. They're having fun. They're hanging out every day. Like, it's, 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 it's life. And so that's exactly how the world sees Jesus is through us. It's through when we're unified, when we're one. And so it goes on in, chapter, in verse 22, it picks up, says that the glory you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. All right, he already said that once, right? Now think about this. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one. He's stressing that importance to one. So that the world may know that you sent me and love me, love them even as you love me. And so Jesus says it again. He says, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. And so I want, to, I want you to listen to what Dr. B says, and I would love to give you his real name, but I could not pronounce it, and I was not going to try to get up here and to jumble through it. So we're going to call him Dr. B, and I can show you where I got it if you would, if you would like. But anyway, listen to what he says. He says, Christ desired that his church would be the earthly community of oneness modeled after the eternal community of oneness. Jesus went on to declare that he had provided his followers with everything they needed to bring about this oneness. He prayed, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. All the resources that the Father had entrusted to the Son were now made available to his followers for the purpose of creating the new community of oneness. Despite this almost embarrassingly repetitious insistence on oneness, Jesus went on praying. He said that they may become completely one so that the world may know that you have sent me. Just prior to his sacrifice on the cross, Jesus' heart ached for his followers to band together in communities that would reflect authentic oneness so that their witness to the world would be effective. And so out of all the things Jesus prayed for, this is his last prayer before he goes, and he's given us a beautiful picture of his desire for us, for the church, for the body, for believers. It's his last, I mean, he, he could have prayed anything. He could have prayed for great Bible scholars. He could have prayed for great theologians. He could have prayed for great prayer warriors. He didn't pray for any of that stuff. He prayed that we'd be unified. We'd be one. We'd be one. And so he knew that when we walked in the unity of the spirit and became one, there's nothing that we can't accomplish. And so I want you to think about, y'all remember the Tower of Babel? All right, so, you know, flood came, Noah and his descendants were multiplying, and God gave them the same command that he gave Adam and Eve. He said, hey, go and multiply, right? Spread out, go and multiply, and do you remember what they did? They built them a city with a tower. And they said, hey, we're going to get to the heavens. And y'all remember what the Lord said? He came. It's in Genesis chapter 11. He came and he said, behold, they are one people. And they have all one language. 
And this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing, nothing, nothing that they propose to do will be impossible for them. So this is Jesus saying, hey, man, I know my people. And when they, when they, when they get together and they're one, there's nothing that they can't do. And so you can't spell the word community without unity. They go together. You must have unity to have a healthy community. And so the key, the key recipe for revival is unity. And the enemy knows that. And he will do anything he can to keep us disunified because he knows that it will stop us from being effective. And that's here at our churches, but that's also in our workplaces. That's also in our homes. That's also in the relationships outside of, of, um, of church and work and home. And so I want to jump back to the body. So how do we keep the body strong and unified? So we keep the body strong and unified by playing our part. As we just seen in the rope illustration, when we work together, we can accomplish what we have set out to do. And I really meant to have them turn around and pull, because if they would have turned around and pulled together, they would have accomplished the goal that they set out to do. There is no part that is more important than others. It takes all of us operating in the gifts that God has given us for the body to work the way that God designed it to work. So I have six little points, and these are, I didn't give this to Tom, so I'm going to apologize. Um, I, I really, as I was reading back through the message, I just I added these. But these are six different scriptures that you can go and look up um, later on. So if you're taking notes or have your phone, you can take these down, and, and um, I'm going to just, um, I'm going to talk about them just, just a little bit. But you can go back and look, up, look these up. The first one is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, and that's basically the beginning of where Paul is talking about the body, is describing this body. And so each believer is giving at, given at least one gift. And you can find that in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. All right, and in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11, the Holy Spirit determines who receives these gifts. So it's not based on our merit. It's not like, hey, he has this gift and she has that gift, so they must be better than me or any of that stuff, because it's, it, it's, it's the Holy Spirit who determines who gets each gift. And, and, and he's determining that because he has, this, he has his will that he's, he's trying to accomplish through us. And he gives us the gifts that we need to accomplish our roles in the body. And so there's, not, there, there's nothing that we can do to, to obtain them. Uh, except pray for them. I would encourage you to do that. Pray for them. Paul talks specifically about, hey, pray for these earnest gifts. But so, and each gift is equally valuable. In 1 Corinthians um, chapter 12, verses 21 through 26, he talks about this. They're all of significance important, significant importance. None plays a bigger role than the others. And he goes in there to talk about how modest parts are even given the higher honor than, than, than the, the parts that we need. And then the, the fourth point, the fourth um, scripture is Romans chapter 12, verse 6 through 8, and Ephesians chapter 12, I mean, chapter 4, verse 12, which is one of the ones we're talking about. But we are to use these gifts. We can see in these scriptures that we are to use these gifts to serve others for the benefit of the body. And Paul specifically goes in there and talks about how we, how we are to use these to serve one another. And in 1 Peter 4.10, and I'm going to read this one, but we are commanded to use those gifts. We don't, he doesn't say, hey, you, you know, if you feel like it, you use them. We're commanded to use these gifts. It says, and, and so we're, I'm going to pick up in, um, in verse 10. It says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good steward of God's very grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus. And then the last um, scripture is Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13, which is one of these. And it's exercising our gifts will help us develop spiritual maturity. 
And so do you know, I have a question, something you have to ask yourself. Maybe some of you guys do know. I'm sure some of you know. And then, but like, I, and I'm asking these things because, when, man, when I first started hearing about this and reading about this in Romans, like I, in, in Ephesians and Romans and Corinthians, I was like, man, I don't know what my gifts are, you know? Like, I don't, I mean, I just don't know what they are. And so, I mean, it was, it was a, um, but it was a time that, that the Lord started opening up some tools and resources and people in my life that started sort of helping me understand. Because think about it, um, when we think about gifts, what do we think about? The five, right? Apostles, right? Teachers, right? Evangelists, shepherds. And these are great gifts, and we are to desire these gifts. Pray for them earnestly. I encourage you to, because they're great gifts, and they're needed in the body for building up the body, right? And equipping the saints so that they can go and do ministry. And so they are, they are, they are great, but we always think of those. But there's so much more, and I just want to give you a few of these. Um, a quick overview in, of some of the gifts, and I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to show you which gifts he has given you. And as me and um, Tom was talking in the back earlier, he's correct. Gifts change. As you steward well the gifts God, give, God, God has given you, he will give you more, right? And so, there's, so I'm just going to run through a list of some gifts. There's leadership and administration. And Lord, if you have that, please, I'd love to come learn from you. I'm trying, Lord. Administration is not my my strong point. But leadership, administration, teaching, knowledge, wisdom, prophecy, discernment, exhortation, shepherding, faith, evangelism, apostleship, services and help, mercy, giving, and hospitality. And I, at the back, I, I actually brought these things, and I asked, I, I figured, I didn't know if y'all had them or not, but this helped me. And this, so this was, I, I brought some, and, made, and they're in the back on this back little table, and I made them available because Man, I know, and it's sometimes, especially if you've been in church for a while, like, you're like, man, I don't, man, what's everybody going to think if I tell them I don't know what, you know what I mean? And so I brought this thing. It's just a spiritual gift survey. And, man, some of the questions they ask you, it has nothing to do. I'm like, man, this isn't like, it has nothing to do, but it's really, really, really good. Take it, and I would encourage you, just, just see. If you know what your spiritual gift is, take this anyway and say, all right, well, let me, I know what my gift is. But let me see what this thing says. I'm telling you, you'll be surprised. And so it's literally, um, it's just, it's, I think there's 77 questions. Yeah, 76. And then, but it will tell you what your giftedness is. And so it'll help you identify the areas that you're gifted in. And so I left, I brought 20 copies because I said, man, if I brought 60, they probably already have it. And so I don't know if you guys do, but I just wanted to make that available for you because I know when I was trying to discover my gifts, I didn't really know where to start. And so this is a tool that you can use. And so God has gifted you with an expression of his Holy Spirit to support a vision and the church. It's a worldwide vision to reach all people with the gospel of Jesus. And as a servant leader, God desires that you know how he has gifted you. This will lead you to where he would have you serve as part of his vision and the mission of the church. And so once your gifts are discovered, which you could do through this, you could do definitely through prayer for sure, but you know, you can use tools and figure out where your gift set is, then it's not, it's not just good enough to discover it, right? It's not just good enough to know the truth, but then you got to apply it. And so once you figure out what your gift set is, it's important to, to, to try to apply it, or it's not to try, but it is to apply that gift set. And there might be some people here who have gifts that you don't. And there might be some people that have gifts that you desire. And it happens. And I'm telling you it happens because it happens to me. And um, so 
So right now I am I am the I am the custodian. I'm, they gave me a facilities director, which really made me feel better because it jumped it up a little bit. But I am the I am the janitor at the church. Hey, welcome. See what see what Nelson leaves y'all. <laughs> no, nah, um. So I I am literally the. It, it is it, and I'm learning to love it. You know what? I can put my headphones in. I can listen to leadership podcasts. I can I can spend time with Jesus. Hours it forces me. I'm by myself. So, man, I can, and now there are some people that walk in, they're like, who are you talking to? And I'm like, no, I was just singing. But, um, but I have hours, and so it got what, what, what I used to not understand, I realize it's a blessing. God has blessed me. He's given me time to grow in the dark, right? Because what happens in the dark will come out in the light. And so, um, and I'm just trying to, stu- and I'm, I'm messing up all the time, but I'm trying to steward well that dark time. And so, um, but what he, what he, through, the parable of the, through, the, through the parable of the talents, God, I was reading it one day, and God spoke to me, and he said, Kenny, you want all these gifts, but your motivation's wrong. It's a heart issue you have. And so I'm like, all right. And he says, look, boy, if you will just steward well the gift that I gave you, if you will clean them toilets like they're my toilets, I'll give you more. And he said, man, I, my desire is always to give you more. My, I'm never trying to hold anything back from you. And I think that's what he would tell you, too. If you was just whatever gifts you have, whatever gift he's given you, it might seem little. It might seem it might be taking the trash out. Man, take that trash out. Well, don't don't never let it get full. And he said, man, if you will just take care of that gift I gave you, I'll give you more. And he said, Kenny, if if I was to give you the gifts that you want, you you'd run them into the wall. And then once you ran into the wall. You would run from me because you would feel like you misuse miss Stewart, my gifts and so i love you so much and i boy, i know you so well that i will never do anything you know the bible talks about he won't put more on you than you can handle and we just think that's trials but that's gifts too you know if you don't have the capacity and the character to hold them gifts you know and, and all and, and and honestly um we have to ask for those gifts you know you have not because you ask not right we if we don't ask if we're not asking he's not he's a gentleman He's not going to kick the door in on us. So I would encourage you to to ask. And so he really, he really showed me my heart through that. He showed me that, hey, Kenny, your motivation's wrong. So instead of worrying about more gifts, why don't you worry about your heart? Get your heart right. And so I'm still working on that in Jesus' name. Um, and so he wants to give you more too. Everybody in here. There's nobody that he doesn't want to give, to give them more. And he has already given you everything you need to fulfill his purpose that he has for your life. But we activate this by steward, stewarding the gifts he's given us and walking in love, which produces unity. So I have a question. What are you doing with the gifts that God has given you? This is, please don't answer it out loud. It's going to be really awkward. But just think about that. Ask the Holy Spirit to take, um, take you on a journey and show you your heart, your motivation. And are you using them inside the body to grow up to maturity, to make it the best body that it can be? And if not, I would ask you, why? Why aren't you? And, I, and then we're going to jump into the next question, and um, we're going to answer of how do we stay unified. So as a body, we know that through grace we have received uh, this exalted position, and we are part of this body, this community, this unity of believers, that when we walk in love and we walk in our purpose and we walk in the gifts God's given us, it produces it produces love, but the, uh, the, uh, the world outside sees it and they're drawn to it. 
And we see that in Acts. We've seen that in Acts. And, and God starts adding to their numbers because, man, that body, it ain't just walking. It's running. It's full operation. But so how do we, how do we um, stay unified? Well, it tells us with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. So the word eager is an action word. It means that we have to take action. It doesn't come naturally, but supernaturally. It's when we put love into action that eagerness will arise. When we understand that it's not about us, but about God's kingdom and the advancement of that kingdom through playing our part in the body that Jesus designed and instituted the church. You, me, us, we are the body. We are his design. And I don't say this to scare anybody, so please don't take it. I told you this is, a, this is an encouraging message. I want, I'm, I'm in, told the Lord, I'm like, man, this is, you know, but this is, a, this, is, this is a message of encouragement. And so I don't say this to scare anybody, but I do want to speak truth. There will come a day where the master will come back. And when that day, he'll, he'll ask his servants what they did with the gifts he gave them. And I hope on that day that we can stand in front of him and answer with confidence that we did everything we could to steward well the gifts and opportunities that he gave us. And then on that day, he'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. But you have been faithful over a little, and I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. That would be a beautiful, beautiful, I, don't, I mean, beautiful. So if the master Jesus was to come back right now, would you be able to say you have invested well the gifts and opportunities that he's given you? And this is important because there's no, we can't, we can't, this is, this is something we can't flake out on. We can't have an excuse. We can't say we didn't know. We can't say, um, you know, I didn't have this gift or that gift or, because literally you could play, you, you can use your gift. He wants you to use your gift in the body, in the body, but you can also use your gift at home. You can use your gift at, at work for the encouragement of, of building up others. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And so we all have roles. We all have different parts to play. And Jesus didn't come for us to go to church. He came for us to be the church. And he really didn't die to get us into heaven, which I know some of us think. He really died to get heaven into us. And so the only way for people, for the people that are lost to see Jesus is when they look at us individually and corporately and they see us unified and walking in love. And that doesn't mean we have to agree on anything or on everything, but that does mean that we have to choose, our, we have to choose love over our opinions. We have to choose love over our differences. We have to choose love over being right. We have to choose love over secondary issues. If the world is looking in at us and we are divided, if we're arguing over things that really don't matter, then they will never want to be a part of it. Lord, it would be hard. I will never say he can't because he can do anything, but it would be hard. It, the Lord asks us to be unified. And so when we're unified, when we walk in the body together, unified as a community, walking in our gifts, the gifts God given us, whatever one he's given us, it produces love and people around us seeing are drawn to that. It's Jesus This is why Jesus prayed for unity, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me. That's how they know. That's how they see Jesus through us. The final point to this community is the one. When Jesus left, he gave, us, gave all of us a calling. It's one that should weigh heavy on all of our minds. It should pull at all of our heartstrings. He said, go, not come, go. 
All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So we might drive different cars, we might wear different clothes, we might listen to different music, but our common unity is Jesus. The fact that we are all in need of love and acceptance and we are all perfectly flawed and perfect in the same breath. And it's only because of Jesus. He's the one who brings these polar opposites together into one. Let us fight the good fight and finish strong the race that has been set before us. Walking into love which God has loved us, forgiving each other as we have been forgiven. Let our banner be Jesus and our war cry be love. Let us be the church. As we close, I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. And I have one question that I want to leave all of us with. And I, I, I really want you to think about this because it really, I feel like it sums all this stuff up into one. And I guess we could ask this, ourselves this and we can ask, yes, we'll just leave it at ourselves where it don't get awkward. Um, and, but I'm gonna tell, I'm gonna, I want to encourage you, it's going to take some boldness to ask yourself this. And I, I, and I really just, if, you know, it's going to take some courage, boldness, and it's something that you're going to have to allow the Holy Spirit to really search down in you about. It shouldn't be something that you could just answer right off the top. Well, maybe it, maybe it should be something you can answer right off the top of your head, but when I have questions like this that I get asked, I, I really have to go search because usually it's the Lord trying to show me something in me. There's always something in us, right? Or am I the only one? All right, because there's always something in Kenny that needs to get out of there. Um, and but, So before... As they're playing, I just want us to think. I, I want us to think about this. I want us to, to think about this rope. Man, this rope's multi-tool, right? I can get all type of use out of this thing. But I want us to think about this rope. And this rope, this rope represents eternity, right? I wish it would have flung off 50 feet, but this rope represents eternity. And this, little gray, and this little gray part, this represents our life, right? And so this gray part is our life. But that rope never ends. It just keeps going. But I'm just trying to give you a visual. And it is amazing to me how most of us, most of us, we work our whole lives, right, just to get to this little bitty part at the end. And listen, I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with 401k or retirement. Don't hear that, please. But I am saying that we work on things that that we only get a little bit of enjoyment out of. There's just a little bit of time that you get to enjoy that. And so what I want to encourage you with is, is while you're putting in the 401k, while you're working on retirement, work on, work on the church, work on the body, work on your gifts, work on your neighbor, work on your wife, work on the people where God's placed you, use the gifts he's given you. Because in reality, think about how small that little space is you get to use all that. We, we have, this is our mindset. Well, this is when I was born, this is when I'm going to go. But, man, there's all this left. And there's people that's, that's around us every day, everywhere we go, that they need Jesus, right? And God is love, and Jesus is the manifestation of God. And so Jesus is love. That's who he is. It's not what he does. That's who he is. That's the essence of who he is. And so for us to be Jesus is for us to be love in people's lives. And sometimes love's hard truths, no doubt. All right, I'm going to leave my ro- I got my ropes money out of my rope but um but the question that i really want to ask everybody and this is going to be tough and listen i'm I'm, I'm encouraging you with this this question i almost wrestled with the lord about it but he won 
It's something I had to ask myself. It's something I really had to go in my heart and I had to search. And I'm still searching. This is the question. Would knowing you make somebody want to know Jesus? Would knowing you, if I ask somebody, hey, what about Brother John over there, man? How, how is he? And they said, man, listen, that dude, that's that guy. He, he ain't got the best advice. Don't listen to his advice. But he'll listen and he loves you. There should be Jesus, the fragrance of Jesus over all of us. And it's not a fragrance for, fragrance for us to keep, but it's a fragrance for us to take out to other people. For more information on Eagles Wing Church, visit our website at www.eagleswingchurch.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Eagles Wing Church. Thanks for listening and have a blessed week.